0: Hey guys, this is Molly and we are on episode six. Today we're gonna talk about something that you probably hear literally everywhere from your friends, social media, celebrities, and maybe even at church. It is the concept of loving yourself. And today I wanna talk about whether or not God's word says we should do that and whether or not loving ourselves is really helping us as a culture or not. So stay tuned for my discussion. Alright, so we're wrapping up another weekend and it's Monday. I hope all you moms had a good Mother's Day. We ended our day by getting Olive Garden takeout and having it at home and watching a show. So it was so nice. There were so many people at the Olive Garden. I was so glad that we ordered takeout. That was the way to do it, especially with kids. But anyways, now it's time for me to share my two share-worthy items, or share-worthy stuff, as I've called it. So the first thing I wanted to share was these vitamins that I've been getting for the kids. Well, I found that they have them at Costco in a really big size, and it was on sale when I got it, so it was such a good deal. They're the Smarty Pants vitamins, and they have omega-3s and vitamin D and B12 in them. And my kids really love them. The taste of them are really good. They're like little gummies. And what I like about them is the fact that they have fish oil in it because I did research when I found out Cole had asthma that fish oil is really good for people that have asthma. So that's been super helpful for him to take. The other thing I want to talk about is um, an app that I have been using and loving. It is called the Life 360 app. And my parents actually got me into this. So it's an app basically that you put on your phone and anyone else's phone that you want to have, I guess that you want them to know where you're at all the time. So mainly family or close friends or your children, whatever. Um, the reason I have it is just because as a single mom, it's nice to know that if something happened to me, my parents would know where I'm at because I always take my phone with me. And it will actually tell you like what street that person is on. And if they're driving, it will show like them moving on this map and where they're driving. So I think it's really nice, especially these days with, I don't know, the way the world's going. It's just really nice for me to have when I go out knowing that I feel safer, that I feel like someone always knows where I'm at and I don't have to tell someone I'm going to this place. Like my parents can just know where I'm at. So that's an app worth looking into. So today's topic about loving ourselves, I know is going to be controversial. Controversial, there we go. And you might not agree with me, but I really wanted to lay the groundwork by just citing the passages where it talks about, well, where people think it talks about loving yourself. And I want you to really listen to these passages and tell me what you think they mean, and I'm going to share with you what I believe they mean and kind of go from there because, you know, we have to talk about this whole topic of loving yourself within the context of what does God's word say about it. So the first passage that I think is the main passage that Christians use as proof to why we should love ourselves is in Matthew 22. It's the common phrase, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So let's look at the context of what Jesus was talking about. Someone asked him, I think it was a Pharisee, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus first says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So notice Jesus is talking about loving God and loving other people, and I believe he is saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself in the sense that you should treat people the way that you want to be treated. And this whole concept of loving your neighbor as yourself originated in the Old Testament. And in Leviticus 19, we get that same phrase, 19 verse 17. And it says, you shall not take vengeance or bear grudge against the sons of your own people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So look again in that verse. Think about what it's saying. He's talking about others. You shall not take vengeance of others, but love your neighbor as yourself. So how we should treat others the way we want to be treated. Again, in Leviticus 19.34, it says, You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. And that very passage is talking about treating strangers the way that you would have wanted to be treated in Egypt, the way the Israelites would have wanted to be treated in Egypt because they were strangers in Egypt. So you should love him as yourself. You should love him as you yourself would want to be loved. Okay. Now I wanna move back into the New Testament in Ephesians 5:28. This is a passage that's talking about husbands and wives and husbands loving their wives. And it says, in the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. That's the concept of two becoming one in marriage. But listen to this. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes cherishes it just as Christ does the church. For no one ever hated his own flesh. Hmm. This concept of us needing to love ourselves, but the Bible here says that we nourish and we cherish for it. And this whole concept of loving ourselves, from all these passages that I've read is not biblical and every passage that I've read to you is talking about this love your neighbor as yourself or loving your husband I mean sorry loving your wife as your own body all of this is in the context of focusing on others and treating people the way we would want to be treated ourselves so I really do not believe that loving yourself Or even the concept of you need to be kind to yourself. I don't believe that that is biblical at all. And to push the point even further, I've got another passage for you in 2 Timothy. And this one really hits at home. Okay, 2 Timothy 3. Here we go. This is the hard hitter. I didn't say it. God said it. So it is true. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self. Ooh, man, doesn't that sound like the world today? For people will be lovers of self. And it goes on. Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, "'Heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, "'brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, "'swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure "'rather than lovers of God, "'having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. "'Avoid such people. "'For among them are those who creep into households "'and capture weak women, burdened with sins "'and led astray by various passions, "'always learning and never able to arrive "'at a knowledge of the truth.'" Whoa there, does that not sound like the way the world is today? And it does sound, that passage is pretty harsh there. But I think it's a true testament to the way the world is today. So many people are consumed with loving themselves. And with that comes all these things, loving money, being proud, being arrogant, not having self-control, all of this stuff. And so, if that's what 2 Timothy says, then we really should avoid any concept of loving ourselves. And before you freak out and say, like, well, then, like, how am I supposed to be confident in who I am? Don't worry. We're going to get there. But I want to talk about, and I've shared this on my Instagram stories, I know a lot of women are into Rachel Hollis right now and her girl washer Facebook, but this quote, From what I've shared thus far, sounds very unbiblical, doesn't it? This is what she said. You should be the very first of your priorities. Ooh, that doesn't sound right when Jesus is saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. The focus is not on ourselves, on making ourselves the first priority. The focus is on making God, our number one priority, and making loving others our second priority. On the alternative, a quote I found by C.S. Lewis really clearly shows what the problem is with focusing on loving ourselves. And this is what he said. He said, look for yourself and you will find in the long run only hatred, loneliness, despair, rage, ruin, and decay. But look for Christ and you will find him and with him, everything else thrown in. I could really just stop the podcast right there because that's clearly the answer for insecurity is Christ. He is the solution for all things. And no solutions to our problems come in ourselves. They only come in Christ because... Like what C.S. Lewis said, in ourselves is only despair, ruin, decay because we are sinful people and we need Jesus to fill any void that we have in our lives. And I think what's going on in the Christian culture these days is this more secular idea being weaved into and saying that that's part of the Bible when really it isn't. Because the world is trying to find ways to conquer insecurity, to conquer loneliness, to conquer despair, anxiety, all of that without Christ. And their solution is you just need to love yourself more, be more proud of yourself, give yourself grace, be kind to yourself. Because they don't want Jesus part of the picture. But us as believers, we need to make Jesus the whole Picture, Jesus, the whole focus. And I wanted to talk about some reasons why we think we need to love ourselves, reasons why we struggle with insecurity. And before I get into that, I just want to tell you guys that I have been struggling more with insecurity the last few weeks. I've been kind of in this funk where I've honestly felt sorry for myself. Like, oh, I wish these things were different in my life. Struggling with feeling great about my body. I just turned 30 and, you know, realizing I'm not the way I used to be and just having a few little health stuff going on and just feeling sorry for myself and underconfident. And so what I'm sharing is not just for you, but I know It's for me, for God to remind me of what is important and remind me of what matters and remind me and remind you that our focus has to get off of ourselves and on to Christ. And so when I was thinking about reasons why we struggle with insecurity and I was doing studying, by the way, all the passages that I shared and these concepts are not just of my own. I read different articles and a really great book that I had to order before I did this talk to study um, before I shared with you guys is the book The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness and it's by Timothy Keller and it is an awesome book on what we are talking about. Um, The little subtitle is The Path of True Christian Joy but it talks about underconfidence and the way the world is trying to solve it and the way God solves this this problem. So if you were to read this book, it would give you better answers than probably what I'm going to share um but I have learned a lot from it and I am sharing with you some of these things. I'm going to quote some of the things from this book. And this book is really small. You can read it in probably an hour. Very small little book. So I would encourage you to order this book if you're struggling with insecurity and keep it and reread it because it's one of those that you want to re- reread because it is kind of deep. But reasons we think we need to love ourselves. The first one I believe is comparison. And in this book, The Freedom of self forgetfulness he talks about that. Um, it is so easy for us to want to compare ourselves with social media. It probably makes it even worse, don't you think? Because we're able to view people's lives. A friend of mine told me one time, you know, in the past, if a someone went on a trip, like you would only know that if they were a friend of yours. But now we see everyone's highlight moments. Oh, you went on that expensive trip to Europe, or you um, did that for your anniversary, like we wouldn't know everybody else's stuff other than our very close friends. And when we're seeing tons of people and all these highlight moments of their life, it's almost easy to trick our minds into thinking that everyone is doing these awesome and amazing things every moment of the day, or at least quite frequently, and way more than we're doing them, because we see the nitty-gritty of our own everyday lives, and we're not seeing that of other people. People aren't posting, yeah, today I uh, I spent all day cleaning my house, or today I was working on paperwork. Like, those aren't the interesting things to post, um, but the fun, exciting things we see, and so it's easy to start feeling sorry for ourselves. But When we start doing that comparison thing and we think everyone else's life is amazing and they're doing all these wonderful things every moment of the day, we have to remind ourselves of two things. One, no one's life is perfect. And two, we don't see what goes on behind closed doors. So stop comparing yourself to other people and be thankful for the blessings that are in your life. When we get so consumed with comparing ourselves to others, We start being ungrateful. We start not noticing the good things in our life. Because wherever you're at in life, there's always somebody that is in an easier place in life, and there's always someone that's in a harder place in life. And life is full of ups and downs. Some days we'll be up, we'll be the one on the mountaintop experience, and other days we will be in that really low valley, but we're all going to experience those things. So we need to stop comparing ourselves to others and be thankful for the good things in our life that God has given us. And to, in those moments of envy and comparison to other people, I think a good thing to do, which... I have forgotten to do this recently, but it has been something that's helped me in the past is if I was in their situation and that amazing thing was happening to me, would I want my friends to to be jealous and like, oh, I can't believe she gets to do that. Uh-uh-uh. No, I would want them to be happy for me. And so if we can do that for our friends, we can be like, I'm really happy for them that they get to do that and pray blessing upon them, then we are what we just talked about, loving them as we would want to be loved. Another reason we seek to, well, we think we need to love ourselves or, and we struggle with insecurity is guilt, I think. Guilt over bad choices we've made or things that we're struggling with. And that has to be counteracted with forgiveness in Christ, realizing that God has forgiven our past. God has forgiven us of all of our sin and asking God, turning that to ask God for his help to move forward in our life, to make the right choices and the right decisions because Satan wants us to just get consumed in our past and be like, I can't believe I did that. Man, I just let God down. I'm never going to be able to be used at God. Look at how terrible person I am. You know, the only reason guilt is a good thing is if it leads us to repentance. And that's the purpose of it. That's the godly purpose of it. But shame, on the other hand, is something that doesn't do good. Because shame is something we wallow in that doesn't really have a purpose. There's, you know, it talks about I can't remember the passage, but um, guilt that leads us to repentance. I'm not saying the verse correctly, but that is the reason why we should feel guilty, to lead us to forgiveness. But then we have to move on from there and realize if God's forgiven us, then we are forgiven. And we can be confident in that. A third um, reason why we struggle with insecurity is I think, hurt from others. And it's so easy for us to replay in our mind things that people have said about us. Whether it's from childhood, from school, from that bully in elementary school. You know, there's, there's words that have been said to us that we probably won't ever forget that have been hurtful. And it can be from the past or it can be from more recent a friend or someone who's not a friend that said something terrible to us. Maybe something on social media that someone commented on that we just can't get out of our heads. And it can lead us down this path of thinking, well, maybe I am just this terrible person. And, you know, there's often a grain of truth in things. And so we can take things as constructive criticism but sometimes people just say things to be mean and they're not true at all and they're terrible. And we have to switch that to resting in Christ and resting in his faithfulness to us and who he says we are and trusting in his purposes and his plan for us and that we're called to a specific purpose in life. And that really what matters is not what other people say about us, But what God says about us, what does God think of me? That's what should matter. So, the last thing I think that we can get stuck on and can cause us to be insecure, maybe even the biggest reason, is pride. These are thoughts that can go on in our mind. I know I've had these thoughts, I get these thoughts all the time. I should be the best at this, I should be the most successful. Now, before you're like, wow, Molly, you think these things, I would guarantee you, if you really thought about this, okay, maybe not, maybe I'm just a crazy person, but I would think that a lot of us have gotten in this trap of these thinking this way. I wanna be the most successful. I wanna be the most fit. Not necessarily the most out, out of everybody, but I wanna be super successful. I wanna be super fit and in shape. I wanna be super pretty. And then when we see someone else that, is prettier, more successful, more fit, then we start feeling terrible about ourselves. And I think pride is counteracted in humility because not all of us are going to be super successful financially or with our job. Not all of us are going to be super amazingly fit. Not all of us are going to be the prettiest. You know, there's always going to be someone, no matter how beautiful you are, there's always going to be someone who's more beautiful than you. No matter how successful you are, there's always going to be someone more successful in you than you. And so our worth cannot be in those things. And instead, if we accept the gift of humility, then our confidence is going to be so much more even keel And it's not going to be all this up and down based off of how we're comparing ourselves and this pride that we have to continually feed. I want to read a quote from this book, The Freedom of self forgetfulness because it goes along with what I'm sharing. It says, the ego often hurts. That is because it has something incredibly wrong with it, something unbelievably wrong with it. It is always drawing attention to itself. It does so every single day. It is always making us think about how we look and how we are treated. And then it goes on to say, My ego would not hurt unless there was something terribly wrong with it. Think about it. It is very hard to get through a whole day without feeling snubbed or ignored or feeling stupid or getting down on ourselves. That is because there is something wrong with my ego. There is something wrong with my identity. There is something wrong with my sense of self. It is never happy. It is always drawing attention to itself. I thought that section of the book was really good because it is in our innate nature to think about ourselves, to be consumed with ourselves. And this whole cultural idea that loving ourselves is the solution for insecurity, the solution for unhappiness is wrong, and it's not fixing the problem. And look at people today. Look at our world. Are people happier? Are people more content and more at peace in life? No. I mean, suicide is has grown a lot in the last few years, and this obsession with ourselves and fixing ourselves with ourselves by loving ourselves, there we go, I should be a Dr. Seuss book, is not doing any good whatsoever. But if we get outside of ourselves and we look to Christ and we look to the attributes that He calls us to put on, those things will satisfy us so much more. Getting outside of ourselves, learning servanthood, learning, like I talked about, thankfulness, forgiveness in Christ for our past, resting in who God says we are, and humility instead of pride. Those things are much harder than just saying, I need to love myself. But These things that Jesus calls us to do are the solution. And I want to read this other passage in Colossians 3. God just really brought it to my mind as I was thinking about and preparing for this. You know, it says in Colossians 3, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, I think if we could nail down the solution for insecurity is looking to Christ and focusing on things above, not things not on things below. And I have come to learn in my life, I'm not perfect at practicing it, but I have come to learn in my life that the solution for so many things are found in God's word. And the way I learn those things is by reading God's word. And it sounds so contrite. And so like, really, Molly, really? I'm dealing with intense insecurity, intense struggles of despair. And I'm going to just find that by reading God's word. And I'm going to say, Yes, because God's word gives us the answer to any problem that we have. And all these things that we talked about that cause us to be insecure, God has the answer for each and every one of those things. And they are found in him. And they are found in his word. And they're not found in loving ourselves. So let's just Stop saying that, that we need to love ourselves because it's not doing any good. And it's, in fact, causing more harm than good. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this today because I just felt like, you know, we need to dispel this myth and stop using those words. It makes me cringe when I hear Christians say we need to love ourselves because I'm just like, no, no. (laughs) And it's... (laughs) Excuse me, it's a new concept. it's not something that Christians have been talking about forever. And I want to just finish by talking um, by sharing one more quote from this book that um, "The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness." and it's talking about if you were to meet somebody that was truly humble and not consumed with themselves, what would they look like? So let's read that quote. So Timothy is actually quoting from C.S. Lewis's book, Mere Christianity, which I have been slowly a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit there reading. I haven't finished it yet, but he says that C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity makes a brilliant observation about gospel humility at the very end of his chapter on pride. If we were to meet a truly humble person, Lewis says, we would never come away from meeting them thinking they were humble. They would not be always telling us they were a nobody because a person who keeps saying they are nobody is actually a self-obsessed person. The thing we would remember from meeting a truly gospel humble person is how much they seem to be totally interested in us. Because the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It is thinking of myself less. Gospel humility is not needing to think about myself. Not needing to connect things with myself. It is an end to thoughts such as, I'm in this room with these people. Does that make me look good? Do I want to be here? True gospel humility means I stop connecting every experience, every conversation with myself. In fact, I stop thinking about myself. The freedom of self-forgetfulness. The blessed rest that only self-forgetfulness brings. Wow. I love that. Wouldn't that be amazing to go in a room and not be thinking, what do people think of me right now? And do these people make me look good? I mean, I think we have all had those kind of thoughts sometimes. But if we could be that person that goes into the room, that goes into that social situation and is totally focused on asking that other person questions and being interested in their life. I mean, man, is that convicted convicting for me because I am not perfect in that you know often we go into social situations thinking this is what I want to come off as I want to appear as what I want to share about myself and what's going on in my life and that's not what Christ calls us to do so when you go home after listening go home you're at home probably Your takeaway that I want you to have from what I shared is just a couple questions, and I've never done this before, but just some things for you to think about for yourself this week is, one, what is my reason for the insecurity that I'm dealing with? Is it comparison? Is it guilt? Is it hurt from others? Is it pride? You know, it could be multiple things. When I think about myself, it's probably all of those things, but if you could pinpoint down The main reason you're struggling with insecurity. And then my second question for you is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about that insecurity you have? And I would encourage you to commit to praying about your insecurity. Commit to being in the word and filling your mind with God's truth. And whatever I talked about. For each of these different struggles with insecurity, maybe you need to start being more thankful. Maybe you need to accept God's forgiveness for your past and ask God's help to move forward with your life and make the right decisions. Maybe it's choosing to rest in who God says you are instead of being consumed with the hurtful things people have said about you. Or maybe it's choosing to put on humility and servanthood, or maybe it's all of those things. But if you were to pinpoint down the main thing that you want to work on, I think that would really help us all to find that true blessed rest that this book says of self-forgetfulness. Maybe what you're going to do about it is ordering this book on Amazon, The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness, which I can leave a link to in the description box. I will, so you can easily find it. On Amazon. All right, guys, I want to close with praying. Thank you guys for coming along for this conversation. Um, I'm glad that you're here. And I'm glad that I can share with you guys. Lord, I just thank you for everyone who's listening. And I pray for all of us and the insecurities that we have in our hearts, the hurts from our past, maybe the comparison we struggle with the guilt, the pride, Lord, all of that. I just pray, God, that we would turn away from ourselves and turn to you and that we would find peace and contentment and rest in you alone, Lord, and that we would stop listening to the lives of the, the lies of the world that says loving ourselves is, is the solution, but instead realize that dying to ourselves and finding our purpose in Christ is our solution and really our only hope. And I pray that we would commit to believing that and commit to seeking you in all things, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Do you want to know something better you can say to yourself than, I love myself? How about this simple phrase that I learned that brings encouragement to me? It's these words, I have everything I need in Jesus. Why don't you say that to yourself multiple times this week and see what happens? I think you'll realize that you'll get the right perspective and remember that Jesus has already given us everything we need for security, for hope, for purpose, for peace. It's all in Jesus. So I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I will see you next week on the podcast.